0: Welcome, Rink Rats, to Season 3, Episode 14 of TheDashRink.com's Blackhawks RinkCast. Brought to you by the Overtime Media Podcast Network. Your sport, your team, and your time. And as always, we're also brought to you by our friends and founding sponsors at PuckHockey.com. That's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Check out their new lines, throw some rinkware in the cart too, support your local boys, JJ and uh, Gate and Jeff, whatever you want to call me, Puck and Hostel. Um, but support your boys and, uh, use discount code, the rink for 10% off of your orders. And, uh, if you go, I think it's, if you go over a uh, hundred dollars, I think you get free shipping and, and that whole thing. So, uh, yeah. Um, as far as that goes, <laughs> uh, today is Wednesday, March 4th, 2020. And I am your host, Jeff Osborne, infamously known on the Twitter machines as Puckin' Hostel.
1: My name is Jeff. It's F.A., man. Y'all need to take a hit of this, Jeffrey. It'll calm you down.
0: And I'm joined by my co-host and partner in crime, Mr. John Jacole. Hello.
2: Hey, how are you? Staying one step ahead of the coronavirus
0: here. Yeah, no kidding. It's affecting... For the time being, anyway. Yeah. Funny you bring that up. It's affecting my life and not, not necessarily directly, but uh, indirectly affecting a lot of stuff going on. Oh, or, yeah, or, me too. Or stuff that's not going to be going on. Right. Um, yeah, but uh, we are... They're the two biggest dickheads in the world. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. So here we are, uh, the Blackhawks uh, on a three-game win streak, uh, which is, you know, it's par for the course for the Blackhawks. Just when, you know, they lose three in a row, they'll come back and win three in a row, and then they'll lose three in a row. It's been kind Mm -hmm. of the the regular thing. We talk about this a little bit more, but our guest today, uh, which you'll hear a little bit later, is Jimmy Greenfield, formerly of the Hawks beat from the – chicago sun times or uh, Tribune Tribune sorry Tribune sorry jimmy uh he was with the tribune he worked with the red eye for a while uh he's been a long time follow of mine and him and i have you know corresponded back and forth for years when i didn't even realize that he worked for the red eye we just would talk blackhawks the years and he's always been really cool and uh down to earth and uh uh, so we, we we recorded a really nice piece with him. I think uh, we had a lot of good discussion. We didn't agree. We didn't all agree with everything, but it was all you know. It mm-hmm. was nice. It, it was a nice little back and forth. So that'll yep. be coming shortly in a little bit. But for right now, the Blackhawks. Um, again, they're on their three game win streak. Uh, right now, there's 16 games remaining. They're 30, 28, and eight. Uh, Sixty, I think 68 points. I think I updated that. Uh, seventh in the Central, still twenty fourth overall. Still, they haven't moved up, even though they've won three games. They haven't moved anywhere in the standings, which is part of the problem. Because right. you don't, you know, when the, when you don't <clears throat> win, uh, or, or when the situation doesn't happen so that you win, all the other teams lose, so you're gaining ground. But some of these other teams aren't losing, and, right. uh Or at least losing at a pace where the Blackhawks can actually make up ground.
2: Uh, that's the that's the real problem with this whole playoff fever mentality is uh you know not only do the Hawks have to b- b- win a lot of hockey games between now and the end of the year, but they have to count on four or five teams that are ahead of them right now losing more than their share of games I mean there's the Hawks are still you know five six points behind um two or three of these teams that are in their way and uh it's um and especially with three point games um. There's a lot of three-point games this time of year. It's just really, really hard to make up those points. So uh, I'm going to keep uh, being a downer on this whole playoff uh, love train. But uh, it's uh, it, the the odds are not good.
1: Not this time, says You'll get like it.
0: <laughs> that's the playoff hopes right yeah, there. You get that's nothing pretty much like it. it. I mean, they're not that. I, I meant to bring this up with Jimmy, and, and I, I, I kind of got sidetracked, but they're just not that good a team. They're not a good enough team to be able to make a run like winning three out of every four games for, you know, the for, you know, the the, the remainder of the season. They're just not that good. And really, also, what does the playoffs get you? It gets you swept in the first round. That's what it gets you. So it's like, you know, just accept it. Uh, it is a stale situation, unfortunately, but it's not going to get any better by them making the playoffs. That's, that's not going to happen.
2: I think, yeah. And I, and I think we talk about it with Jimmy a little bit and, and I, I think what, what fans really want and why the playoffs are so important is they want some validation that the team is getting better. Um, and the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, I'll fight, I'll argue this till, till the end of time that. This this team is not dramatically better than the teams of the last two or three years. It's just not. No, it's not. It's um, almost carbon you know, copies all,
0: for three straight years.
2: You know, and if they luck out and get a little hot here right at the end and and found some through through tremendous luck to become the second wild card, it it doesn't it doesn't really show the kind of improvement that you want in this organization because, you know, the the formula that they're fault fo- that they're following of keeping around this highly paid and aging core and then trying to grow, you know, the next generation and, and it's all going to magically come together and they're going to win a Stanley cup next year. That's not going to happen. And, um, you know, they've gotten themselves into this mess now and, you know, we talk about it with Jimmy, so I won't get into it, but, um, you know, it doesn't, there, there's, there really is not any validation that would, that would come from the team squeaking into the playoffs and then getting absolutely crushed in the first round. Um, it doesn't really prove anything because, you know, next year, Kane and Taves and Keith and Seabrook and Crawford are all going to be a year older and, um, more injured and more prone to being injured. And, um, the young guys are not going to, are probably not going to improve that much. Um, so, um, you know, Jimmy talks about it too. I mean, uh, if they really want to change the paradigm and make dramatic improvement, they've got to seriously change some things. Yeah. And the question is, can they? So, anyway. And it's yeah. not
0: just, you know, trade Kane, trade Taze kind of thing. Right. <clears throat> There's more other changes like back office and stuff. Um, to finish right. up the stats, uh, their face-up percentage, uh, they're tied for 17th at uh, right around 50%. Uh, their PK is 7th, which is good. It's, you know, commendable. They're in the top third of the league. Uh, and uh, But their power play, 28th, uh, really bad. Um, it hasn't gotten any better. Uh, their uh, goals for 19th, their goals against 20th, it's all bod- basically bottom third of the league. Uh, their shots against has not changed any. Uh, it's basically the same. They give up 35 and a half shots a game, which is by far the worst in the league. Uh, yeah, that's not good. Yeah, and then their possession and their more advanced metrics. Their PDO is 101, which basically means that they're shooting higher or they're shooting a higher uh, shooting percentage and save percentage than their opponents, basically, in a nutshell. Yeah. And uh, the uh, their shot metrics are almost less than the league, 25th and 27th, with shots uh, and uh, unblocked shots, total shots. Their high danger save percentage, though, again, uh just like the PK in the top third of the league. And uh that's yeah. partly because of what Robin Leonard did here. And uh now Corey Crawford is continuing to yeah. still do. Uh they're in their their five on five save percentage is is also in the top third, which is uh can be expected based on you know those two guys you had playing for you all season long. Yeah uh, at ninety two and a half, uh which is nine twenty five. It's really good. So that's that's where they sit right now. During that uh, whole thing, they had a couple of uh, smaller moves uh, <clears throat> that we didn't mention last week when we were kind of more uh, focused on the, uh, the the trade deadline and stuff. But uh, they did claim Nick Sealer off of waivers from the Wild. Uh, it's not a big deal, but it's a move they made. It was kind of curious because it's like it seemed like they, had, you know, I know they got rid of Eric Gustafson, uh, and that was you know that we saw that coming from a mile away, but. There's plenty of defensemen. There's ten defensemen, probably. Uh, I, I'm just going off the top of my head. Uh, Mario would know better, but uh, there's probably four to five defensemen sitting every night in Rockford, and uh, you know they've got a couple defensemen while well, hurt now, but they, you know they've had defensemen sitting up in the. So it's not like they didn't have defensemen, and it's not like Nick Sealer puts them over the edge. So it was kind of curious that they went out there and just picked up a guy who's like. Probably a faster Carl Dahlstrom. Slightly faster caller Carl Dahlstrom. Kind of a guy who's gonna go out there and you know muck it up a little bit. Maybe kind of a lesser Connor Murphy type of player. Uh that was that was interesting. I don't know if you have any thoughts on Sealer, do you?
2: Um he you know he reminds me a little bit of his uh, Matt Walker. I don't know if you remember Matt Walker. Oh he's do I sort of <laughs> number eight sort sort of one of those big uh, rugged you know stand up for your teammates type of defenseman um and uh you know really good guy in the dressing room um you know and uh you know he play he he's probably better defensively than Walker was cuz Walker had a real mobility issue but uh um yeah i mean I, he, he's fine you know he's he's uh, he's a he's a nice nice depth player to have on a not great team you know yeah i mean um,
0: he is what he is i, I think he's signed yeah. is he signed for another year i think he is Yeah, I should have. I think so. I don't know. I should talk to our boys at Puckpedia.com. Yes, always. Actually, I I'd like to. um, I I brought it up today, and uh, I didn't uh, really get to reach out to him. I was going to reach out to him privately, but uh, I was looking at the website and I was looking at the performance bonuses that potentially Blackhawks players could hit Uh, if everyone that's on their pro roster hits their their. their performance bonuses, it's almost $7 million worth of performance bonuses. Uh, But I don't know what the actual performance levels are on these contracts. They just say performance bonuses, which doesn't give you much to go by. It could be, Hey, if you score 50 goals, you're going to make an extra million dollars. Uh, So I'd really like, I'd be interested to, to know if he has any information on what the performance bonuses are, because you've got, Uh, I brought it up on Twitter earlier, but, uh, you know, Doc, uh, here, here, I'll go down the line, uh, Doc, uh, Nylander, uh, let's see who else, Strom, DeBrinket, uh, Highmore could all get, uh, performance bonuses and Strom and Doc, uh, would be two and a half million dollars of performance bonuses each. So that's $5 million and, uh then uh you know, on the defense Boakfast and Carlson yeah. could get uh something pay- yeah. but i don't i i thought that the performance bonuses if there wasn't a whole lot of money or, i i think they were, i thought they were pushed to the next season's cap but uh i'm not, I'm sure. not sure about that yeah i have to, we have to ask them on that i i thought that's what what it was but if that's the case then you've got potentially, you know it may only be a million dollars you know with a, with uh with with what they are uh but still it's a million dollars of uh, it's a million dollars worth of cap room. That's dead. Basically.
2: Yep. 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 So, yep.
0: yeah, I don't know, but uh, that was, that's kind of interesting. Um, Hey, let me ask a question. Let me yeah. ask you a question. Yeah. 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 Let me ask you a question. Ask me,
2: bring it yeah, on. So so not <laughs> Dylan Strom had two goals last yeah. night. Right.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, and, and that's good, but he hasn't overall had a great season. He's, uh, kind of been bumped out to wing um you know he's he's kind of almost like in the andrew andrew burnett class as a skater um you know do, do they do they do they want to really you know commit a lot of money to this guy um when when money's clearly tight um you know i i don't know i mean it's it's interesting do you, do you pay him like a center or do you pay him like a wing um Cause those are considerations. So I, I just, I'm not meaning to pick on Strom either. I think he's a good kid. And I think he, you know, he had a great year last year. Uh, but he, th- I don't know. I, I just want, I just, he hasn't had a great year this year. And I'm wondering, um, you know, which is the real Dylan Strom a and B, um, you know, do they, what, do they want to pay him? Like, uh, like he's going to be great.
0: You know, um, my thoughts on that were that, while he has not had the greatest of season um he's uh, restricted too right yeah yeah he's restricted. when i compared yeah. his stats from this year and last year and the pace he was on granted, he's missed time with uh injuries and stuff so he's not going to hit the numbers he did last year but the pace he was on was for uh really close to what he did last year compared to comparatively yeah, that's true. like debrinkit like is cons- like half as far as goals go and so like a maybe less than a third of, uh, or less than two thirds of what, you know, what he was last year. So he's not playing a horrible year, but he is definitely not producing like he was, you know, it, at least the impression is that he's producing it consistently like he was last year. Now, going back to your question, you're asking me a question. Um, I think, and this is my theory, and I don't know if it's right, uh, you know, but this would, this is how I could see, you know, how we put ourselves in the, in the head of Stan Bowman is that they feel that part of Alex Dobrynka's success has to do with Dylan Strome being his center and being his buddy, being his, you know, Jake and Elwood, and that they're going to do everything they can. They, they brought him in for that, partially for that reason, I think, and it worked out. And now, the impression to this fan base and everything, and I know this isn't the way to make decisions, but I, I'm just trying to put myself in their head um, is that the impression that the fan base is, is that Strom and Debrinket go together like Kane and Taze go together, and that you got to keep them around and you got to pay them. Uh, and maybe even more so now because of the fact that Debrinket um, is having an off year. And he's about to make $6 million Mm. next year Mm. for the next three years. And you can't have him have a year that he had this year, next year. That's my kind of thoughts on that. Yeah. And that Strom is the best option. They think that Strom might be the best option uh, to keep him around and make that work. Yeah. So. Yeah, that, that's my thoughts on it, and I have no basis or any inf- inside information on that. That's just uh, how I feel on that. So. Yeah, I think, you
2: know, and re- restricted free agency gives the team a little more latitude to, uh, you know, not make a, a, you know, a full-scale, big-money, long-term contract commitment. So, um, you know, maybe they could take a little bit, you know, it, it, it allows, it gives them a little latitude to wait and see, you know, so...
0: Yeah, and, and they could hardball him. And honestly, I don't think it's the, the the end of the world that he's having more of a down year or at least the impression is that he's having more of a down year because I think a Blackhawks can use that in negotiations to try and keep his salary down. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's as shitty as that can be, but yeah. So all right, um, the Strome thing, uh, the Sealer thing, uh, Andrew Shaw and Zach Smith were shut down for the season. Shaw's not a big surprise. He's kind of gone the way of Corey Crawford. From two years ago, where he disappeared and no one talked to him, Uh, he he, it didn't seem like he was anywhere close to coming back in the lineup. So that's fine, shut him down. Um, Especially you know, based on you got to pay him for like the next three years or something like that. Two years. Uh, Zach Smith. uh, First, he had a hand injury, and then it was uh, back surgery. I think he had. So, uh, not big. Not big losses. Big salaries. (laughs) Or big salaries comparatively uh, for the for their position on the team, but yeah. uh, you know, I don't. Th- I, don't know. I who knows if Andrew Shaw or Zach Smith uh, are going to be with this team next year. So they could. Yeah. You know, they mentioned buyouts, or uh, Jimmy mentioned some buyout stuff, but like you know, you can only buy out so much. You're still carrying yeah. some of that hit. So, yeah. so at some point, it might not even be worth it. <clears throat> Uh, Brandon Hagel was recalled and then returned the same day. Never made the trip, so I don't know what's going on with that. Uh, But that does count. Uh, You have a limited number of people you can call up between the trade deadline and the end of the season, and that does now count for one of their call-ups. And he never even uh, made it out of Texas where they were. Uh, So I don't know what happened there, but that's kind of a curious thing.
2: Yeah, it was kind of weird. Yeah. Uh,
0: Lucas Carlson, uh, he's showing a little bit of promise. That's another thing. We didn't really get to talk about him, but he seems okay. I mean, I don't know if he's got really, you know, he's better than Dahlstrom, he seems like. He seems uh, to to have some slick hands and seems to be a a decent player. So we'll see what he turns into.
2: Yeah, I was watching him a little bit the other night, and, uh, um, you know, sometimes with a defenseman, you don't want anything to jump out at you. You know, you want him to be... Low maintenance and and mistake free and and smooth and and uh you know I used to call Nicholas Jalmerson the furnace because you only notice him when he breaks down which isn't very often you know and yeah and uh so maybe Carlson's can can be that kind of player who's who's just you know a, a very effective and workmanlike defenseman got to wait and see I mean yeah. there's pretty limited sample size at yeah, this point
0: sure. I kind of wanted to see him and I don't know how they would be able to pull this off especially in division. But uh, pick up Jonas Brodin. Uh, I, I oh yeah, he could be yeah. like that guy, that next John Merson kind of guy, uh, and and could help that defense, help anchor that defense. You know, with yeah. with all the, the the chaos that's going on back there, with those guys with the happy feet. Uh, yep, he he might be able to normalize that a little bit. But you know, yeah, like, but uh, who knows? I don't think they could pull it off. But I'd like to see it. So, uh, is the season and the last thing I kind of wanted to bring up before we go to break. Uh, this is the season. Kind of ends. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna hear things about you know college players uh, coming around. Uh, the biggest ooh, one, ooh. of course, is Ian Mitchell. Uh, our boy, you know, Aaron has covered him at length. Uh, but he looks like he could be a pretty good prospect. He's doing really good in college. But the bottom line with him is, is you're not gonna see him this year because his college season is gonna end after the Blackhawk season ends. So that's not gonna happen. And the same is probably ooh. gonna happen for Evan Barrett. Uh, you're probably, you know, you're not going to see that Blake Hillman, uh, Dennis Gilbert thing where he burn they burn a year off their contract, uh, you know, in, uh, in Chicago because, you know, their college seasons are probably going to end after the Blackhawks season ends. Cause I think the frozen four is like a weekend after, uh, the Blackhawks last game or something like that. So. Mm-hmm. If I look correctly, but yeah, those are players who maybe next year may, uh, you know, be Rockford players, or maybe Ian Mitchell could, you know, potentially, uh, sniff the NHL a little bit. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to put too much expectation into the kid, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, he's kind of a maybe, maybe a little stronger, uh, version of a, of a Boquist possibly, but, uh, who knows, uh, you know. <laughs> Dylan, Dylan Sakura was the great trade line acquisition and he was lighting the NCAA up and now he can't get out of Rockford and his brother's outscoring him. So,
2: yeah, I know when I say this, it, it makes Aaron, Aaron's uh, head want to explode, but you know, I, I'm, I'm a believer that the, the jump from uh, college hockey to pro hockey is, is steeper than a lot of people uh, realize and appreciate. And uh, you know, I, you know, that there's this natural expectation people have that these guys are just going to matriculate right out of college and become really good NHL players right away happens occasionally, but oftentimes these, a lot of these guys have to have to pay their dues a little bit and play in the minor league some, and um, there's nothing wrong with that. And it doesn't mean they're not going to be good players, but um, you know, Dylan Secura is a really, really good example of uh, an outstanding, you know, terrific college player and there's all these expectations placed on him and and nothing has really happened with him in the pros. And, uh, you know, uh, especially, you know, with, with offensive players in particular, you know, they just get away with things in college that you can't get away with in, 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 in the NHL. Um, there's just not that much time and space and it's a lot more physical. Um, and, uh, so we'll see, I don't want to place any expectations on Mitchell. Just let's give him time, you know, and, and, uh, He's not. He's not going to come in and save the team next year. It's extremely unlikely. So let's let's just let him uh, develop at his pace and and uh, you know be a, a piece of the picture down the road.
0: I could see the smoke coming out of Aaron's ears right now. We love That's you, fine. buddy. We love you, Aaron. <laughs> although although he does live in Denver, so what kind of smoke could that be? But uh, right, exactly. <laughs> we love you, buddy. Um, all right, let's so let's go to break and then we'll come back with Jimmy. So here we go. All right. Well, welcome. We have uh, Jimmy Greenfield with us tonight. You may remember him. He was doing the Hawks beat for the Chicago Tribune. He also worked for the Red Eye and uh, good all around guy. He's been around forever. Uh, I know him. I him and I corresponded back and forth on Twitter uh, back before he was on the beat. So I was really glad when he actually took over the beat. I'm sorry. I wish he was still there. But you know what? Things happen. And uh, Jimmy's on on the greener pastures and stuff. So uh, Jimmy, welcome. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks. Glad to be here. Good. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, we have, you know, a number of things we're going to talk about. We're going to probably try to get into some questions and stuff, but um, something that was brought up today, and it's kind of a little bit old news, uh, but I was listening to uh, that Blackhawks, Hawks Talk uh, podcast today, and they were asking an interesting question, and there are probably several answers, none of them all 100% correct, Um, and they were asking, should Blackhawks... Stan Bowman, consult the veterans, or maybe, you know, Kane, Taves, Keith, maybe Crawford too, um, with the what they're going to be, their plan in the future, uh, and, and stuff like that to varying degrees. Now, that, that question could be open to a lot of interpretations. Um, you know, I don't know exactly, you know, where it starts and stops, but... Um, Jimmy, what do you think?
1: Well, I I think it's a pretty broad question. I, I don't think the question and the concept is meant to be, you know, are you going to check in with Kane and Taves before they pull off trades? It was generally, do you want to talk to the two most important players in the organization, two most important people in the organization, really, about direction and it, 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 I think it makes sense to, to check in with them. Um, but I think Stan was kind of just making sure that everyone knew that he's calling the shots and he's uh, uh, not going to be going to them for permission to do anything, uh, which, of course, he shouldn't do. And, and I, I, you know, I mean, I, I think I forget what Kane exactly said, but he was he was responding to that idea. And I think he said, yeah, you know, I'd like to have my give my put my two cents in. And I think it's fair at this point in his career. He's 31. He's been around for 13 seasons or whatever it is now. And, um, you know, those guys are important. If they're not on board with what's happening, then um, uh, management should know that. So it's it's an it's an interesting conversation to have, um, especially since they're, they're signed for four more seasons uh, and, they're not, and they're not going anywhere. And, you know, the Hawks have, you know, I mean, we, we can talk about the, the general state of the organization, but they're, they're probably not going to be much different next year. Uh, unless right. that cap really goes up to $88 million like they announced today, which is probably not going to happen. They're not bringing in, you know, a huge free agent. They're not going to be able to do a lot. This, this, the team we see now is probably very similar to the team we're going to see next year. And that probably is going to drive Kane and Taves crazy.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Now, to clarify a little bit before I throw it over to you, John. Um, Bowman made a comment about the you know this kind of this subject, I should say, saying, "Listen, those guys, their job isn't to run the team, set up the team, whatever the case is. Like, those guys are, you know, their job is to play hockey, and my job is to run the team, set the team up, and stuff like that. And they, he kind of shut it down. Uh, they had the actual sound clips of the players, uh, both Taze and Kane." Uh, I found this little interaction kind of interesting and I'll, I'll play it. And then John, I'll let you give whatever, uh, you know, you want to say about this, but, uh, here it is. So it's, okay. it's about six seconds or a little longer than that. So here we go. This is them kind of, uh, talking to Taves about, you know, what happened at the deadline and post, you know, Leonard and, uh, Eric and trades. So here. So Told did the trade upset you then? I mean, because you did want him to stick around for a long time.
2: Listen, I mean, I don't know what you're trying to get me to say on to that say one, up, but so. I think,
1: um, like I said, I'm not really commenting on, on the direction, um, it's not really up to me to talk about. Yeah, that, that
0: was the clip that I pulled that I found. What do you think, John?
2: Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting, um. It, it, I think Taves is playing it a little more uh, down the middle uh, where I felt like Kane's comments um, uh, with regard to the, the trade deadline were, I, I almost got a a little bit of a sense of impatience um, coming from him and, you know, gate, you said it. I mean, they're signed for four more years. They're both 31 years of age. Um, I, I just think they're two extremely competitive individuals who really like being the guys who win the Cups and have the parades. And um, I feel like, and I could be just totally reading things into it, but I feel like especially in Kane's comments, there was a little bit of a, an impatience coming through and, and uh, you know, kind of almost asking, well, you know, what is the plan? And if they need our advice on you know, who are the guys they should be going out and getting – um, then they should ask us. I do know. Well, I've heard certainly that over the years there have been times when both players um, have gone to management and you know said you know there's a guy that I played with in the Olympics um, or there's a guy playing in another team and I really think he would be great with us and, and he would fill a need um, and um, you know so I I don't think it's out it's it's outlandish. I think uh, Bowman's comments and response are clearly or were clearly. Uh, A little bit defensive. I mean, he'd been taking quite a bit of abuse, uh, um, you know, in social media and, uh, you know, probably in broadcast media as well um, for uh, over the trade deadline. And uh, so I think there was a little defensiveness there. But, you know, I I would watch the situation with Kane and Taves and and maybe a little more so Kane than Taves in terms of, uh, you know, this this impatience with where the because, Jimmy, you said it and you're right. I mean, They're locked into so many of these long term big money contracts that uh, they just simply don't have a lot of flexibility to dramatically change this team unless, you know, they get a guy to wave a new movement clause. And then, you know, some some things could change pretty dramatically. Um, uh, So it's it's, you know, it's stranger things have happened in sports and in hockey. Um, You know, we we forget sometimes that Wayne Gretzky was traded a couple of times. And, uh, I I believe a couple of times, at least once. Um, and, um, you know, these are, these are things that, uh, are, I think bear watching. I'm not predicting anything per se, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, the situation next year, you're right. I mean, this, it is not going to be a dramatically different team. They're banking on, uh, in some ways you could argue they're banking on Duncan Keith, Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, Um, whatever they have left of Brent Seabrook not getting any older or any worse while they're banking on Adam Boquist and um, Kirby doc and some other players getting dramatically better. Um, And uh, one of those may happen. The other one probably won't happen. And uh, you know, but this is, this is the uh, the approach that the organization has been committed to now for at least a couple of years, if not longer. And um, you know, I think, I think, Fans and and even players, even veteran players have every right to question whether this is the right approach. Um, But, um, you know, in the in the case of the veteran players with the big contracts, you know, uh, their contracts are in some ways are part of the problem. (laughs) So it's there's no easy answer.
0: Yeah, there was when they uh, when they were talking about it, they were all over the place like this. They were they were to the point where they were saying, like, well, you know. Jeremy Jeremy Colleton should know the pulse of the players and what they think and who the players are that are that are hard to play against and things like that. And uh, if he doesn't know and they can't go, you know, he's not in constant contact with Bowman, giving him this information. Then what is he doing and kind of thing? I mean, it wasn't that harsh, but um, they were going that far. And then they were saying things like, uh, "Well, that you know, I don't know if they should you know really be asking you know Tays and Kane their – their opinions at the coaching staff and how they're doing. And I'm like, well, I think they kind of do that. Don't they in the, in the, in the, uh, like the season ending, uh, press, yep. uh, the, yep. the exit interviews. They have
2: interviews with, yeah. Right. Exit interviews. Yeah. So yeah.
0: I, I, think they already do that, but they, I think they do that with most of the players <clears throat> or all of them actually. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. They were all over the place kind of with this. I mean, sure. Yeah. Uh, I could see asking those guys or not asking but just saying, "Hey, this is what we're going to do." to let them know what's coming. I don't, you know, they may or may not be happy. Uh, we we also heard that, you know, last year they may have been upset that uh Bowman didn't bring in something to to help them out to for that playoff run. So uh yeah, we there's several stories going around about uh you know, how those two may or may not feel and, and, and then the whole situation. So I just found it kind of interesting, uh, and, and a decent talking point.
1: Yeah, there's, there's no chance. I would say that, that, uh, Kane or Taves are, uh, who are the two players who would need to go to really blow things up. I don't think there, there's any chance they're going to go. However, um, that's pro, pro- part- yeah, because um I mean John McDonough would never allow it. And um whether or not Stan Bone would even consider it is I think I think he probably has considered it because I think he's the kind of guy that covers all his bases. Um and whether or not that's the way to go. Maybe he wants to do that or he's thought about doing that and um uh and I think it'd be a bad idea to not consider what you could get for these guys. Taves is different. Taves, you know, you'd have to you'd have to keep some of that contract. He's obviously a Very, very good hockey player. He's not Patrick Kane. The problem with those contracts to begin with is paying two guys $21 million the past five seasons isn't isn't a a huge overpay, but compared to what the other teams that have remained competitive, the Penguins and the Bruins, who have paid their guys. You know, Crosby's getting eight-something. You know, the Bruins don't pay anybody over seven. You know, that's played a huge role in the Hawks' inability to – um stay competitive having to trade away talent other players weren't able to do that the hawks did a pretty good job of acquiring talent but as we all know a lot of those players are no longer are no longer with the organization and, and that's right. because they had the salary uh, problems and uh you know it, you know linking up kane and Taves with, with the big money was an, was an issue
0: yeah we we actually got into a a a discussion I actually i actually started the discussion and i actually i kind of bowed out of it but uh about the uh the Leonard thing uh about him going and my feelings on that and i kind of i kind of felt like there were some innuendos in 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 some of the coverage by the media that like they were kind of maybe kicking' him in the kicking him in the back on the way out the door not very blatantly but i kind of just felt like uh, Maybe you know they were kind of uh, blaming him uh, because he was outspoken, or because he had discussed it in the media, which he was already asked about. He was asked about several times, and he just answered the questions uh, honestly. And uh, I didn't
1: get—I didn't get that sense. I mean, yeah. you're saying that when he left, the media kicked him not, when he was leaving all, because I, he'd spoken about his contract.
0: I think—I think that there. Uh, well, some. I did hear some questions that. Uh, you know if if that was part of the reason because he was so out because he was outspoken uh if that was part of the reason why they decided to stay with Corey Crawford and not go with him uh you know it, there's a lot more to it than that there's you know his contract is going to be considerably more uh he wanted uh you know from what i heard he wanted more of a 7 year deal but maybe as the the stories came out that uh maybe he only you know would have accepted a three-year deal. And now I heard Bab Boyle say something about that um, you know, they didn't want to do any more than a two-year deal with him, which I don't it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because he seemed to be asking for a reasonable amount of money for a goalie of his caliber. And you know, who could have probably been around for a couple of years so they could develop someone else in the organization because the chances that you're going to be able to go out and sign another free agent or anything like that uh, of his quality down the road you never know. Uh goalies yeah. are such a weird weird thing. They're 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 taboo and you know one guy one team's backup goalie like Scott Darling goes to another organization, start, you know, is a starter and can't do it. And that happens a lot actually. So you know, goalies are taboo, yeah. you had a known quantity of You know, a player you know works in your organization wants to stay here. Is take you know isn't gonna isn't looking to grab ten million dollars a year, maybe seven and a half or seven. Uh, You know, wanted from what I from what I had heard that he wanted, you know, seven years times seven or seven and a half, uh, maybe like a no move for the first three years,
1: and then well, that was never gonna happen. That was never in a million years for him. You know, for somebody who uh, you know is. I wouldn't say I don't trust him, but he's not, he's not one of the guys, you know, he came into the organization on a fluke, they didn't know he'd be available and they gave him a, he gave him a really good, you know, two thirds of a season, but you know, if, if they didn't, if they didn't, if they wanted to keep him around next year, he'd be on the team now. They didn't have to trade him. You know, a second round pick is valuable, but it's not that valuable that you trade away a guy that you think you think of as your, um, as part of your future. And but but ultimately with him, I think it had to do with the money that they think they can get by the next two seasons. Um, You know, my my prediction is that they're going to sign Crawford, do a two year deal and pay him, you know, like four million a year or something. And I think that makes sense. I I can see Crawford taking that deal. He's not going to get much more anywhere else. He's a good, very good goalie. Still, his numbers with the Hawks this year are almost identical in terms of save percentage as 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 what. Lenners were. So, you know, you're not talking about vastly different goalies. Um, and if the Hawks were in a great position with money, maybe they could afford to give a guy six or seven million dollars. But when they can foresee paying Crawford four and then using one of the young goalies, you know, for once, you're paying a total of five million versus, you know, eight or whatever, not eight or, you know, eight or nine. Um, Which is still less than the eleven million they're paying Yeah, they're I don't understand that
2: because they're paying they're paying two goal or they were paying two goalies eleven million dollars this year. And there is one huge difference between Crawford and Leonard, and that is uh, Leonard's seven years younger and he hasn't had two potentially career ending concussions. Um, so I they, I hear what you're saying, but at the same time, I, I there's there's something about the Uh, the logic uh, or the lack thereof of this whole Leonard drama that goes back to July 1st of last year that doesn't, doesn't really add up in terms of a clear game plan uh, around the position. Uh, You know, and the other thing is, is I don't know, you know, Crawford may, because he's, he's got some, uh, some family ties to Chicago through his wife. He may settle for 4 million a year, but, um, you know, the free agent market is a funny thing and agents are even funnier, <laughs> um, the way that, uh, that they'll insert themselves into processes and, and tell their clients to leave, um, what seem like hometown situations for, for more money. Um, so I mean, yeah, if I had to bet, I bet Crawford's going to be back in Chicago on a, mm, maybe relatively team friendly deal. But the other side of it is if he were to leave this summer, it wouldn't completely surprise me either.
1: I would it would surprise me, but it it you know it's not when you're a UFA anything can happen. Right. But when you think about what team is going to bring in Corey Crawford um, to be their starting goalie coming in with at least a perception of you know long term issues with concussion, um, I don't I don't I don't I don't buy that 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 because he's had concussions in the past um, that he's more likely to you know go down again, you know, he, he, you know, the first, the first one was, was sort of, uh, harder to understand. We never really knew when he got hurt. And that whole issue with that season was, was really strange. Last year was, you know, he got barreled into and and hit his head in the post and anybody gets a concussion from that this year. He's been fine. He's been healthy. He's going to play in what I think 45 or 50 games in the end, roughly. Mm -hmm. Um,
2: I, well, I'm going to respectfully disagree. I mean, there is a fair amount of clinical evidence that once you've had one or two concussions, you tend to be more susceptible to them. Some guys, Sidney Crosby, really good example. Um, you know, he's come back from uh, some serious concussions and and he's had a great rest of his career. But then there are other guys like Adam Deadmarsh or Jason Allison or Eric Lindros, et cetera, et cetera. Lots of them. Who you know the 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 concussions become a recurring issue and eventually they have to get out before their you know their functionality of just living their day to day lives is destroyed and um, uh, CTE is real you know so um, and the other the other part of it that I I, I guess um, I, you know I would I would push back on a little bit is the idea that you know no other team's going to sign him well then why would the Hawks <laughs> I mean it's it's I understand I understand the rationale of to be a little bit we, uh, leery of, you know, his issues with uh, the concussions for another team, but then why wouldn't the the Hawks have those concerns? Or shouldn't they have those concerns?
0: Just just to clarify, uh, I, one, I, one second, one second. Uh, just to clarify, he's he's at thirty six games right now, and there's seventeen games remaining. So or sixteen games remaining. So that's kind of what is that fifty two? Yeah, I'm just going off the top of my head here. Uh, yeah. yeah, that would be 52 if he played every single game for the rest of the season. Yeah, so, he might. He might. He, he might. Yeah, or very close yeah, as too. long as
1: they're in as long as they're actually in the playoff picture, theoretically. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sorry. It's a crazy situation because, you know, the goalie is the most important position in the team. Everyone says that, you know, and it's it's, it's a fact, but they they don't have a plan. You know they've they've yeah. nobody really ready for next year who's an NHL goalie. They yeah. um, they they Stan said that um, as after the trade deadline that he understands that and they intend to have NHL goalie NHL goalie on the team next year, whether that's what Subban or Crawford or somebody else out there, mm. they have to have that. But that probably ties into. I mean, think about last year when they when they basically, you know, they won't say this, but but they punted on the 18-19 season.
0: Yeah, they
1: did. They they did. It was it was not even it was it was a ridiculous um, season. You know, they would they would they bring in Ward and Kunitz and and Brandon Manning is is for (laughs) agent guys and try to sell it as though they were competing for a playoffs. And then fire
0: Q like what, 20 games into it
1: yeah it was it was it was not hard to see and then this year i think it was it was easy to see that they did make moves intending to compete for the playoffs and i think the injuries played a role in the fact that they're likely not going to make the playoffs but um signing Leonard, having that money available was it was a i thought a terrific thing and it just unfortunately worked out the way it is and next year looks like it's more of a season like um you know like last year you know you you just don't know what's going to be in place they're they're uh, they've, they've, he's got a lot of work to do. It's not as crystal clear. Everyone's older. Um, you know, you you got, you got to pay Strow more. I, I don't know what they're going to end up paying Kubelik if he finishes with thirty five goals. Um, it's, yeah. you know, it's. I'm glad they have Kubalik. It's it's an issue that they have to pay him and you know a lot yeah. more than they tended to
0: Yeah. Well. Yeah. Right. There's. I I kind of summed it up today a little bit with the with the, it looked like. Basically, with the roster that they have signed for next season, and uh, not including any of the RFAs and no goalies, they had, you know, and the if the cap goes up to the top of what they said today, which would be eighty eight point two million uh, or eighty eight four, the Blackhawks would have like six, you know, close to seventeen million dollars. But they have to sign two goalies. They'd have to resign, you know, Strom, Kubalik, uh, Kajula um and uh, yeah so uh that's what they would have which was yeah you're gonna eat a lot of that up real quick Uh, and all those
2: players agents are aware that the cap is going up (laughs) you know it's not I mean people assume when the cap goes up oh this is the year we get out from under the cap issue or we can get this free agent or that but the the problem is is that salaries always go up commensurately with the cap so all those guys he's got to sign their agents are all going to be asking for a little more money if that cap has gone up to 88 Mm -hmm. and
1: it just, it's, there's no easy answer. And their problem is, is that it's probably not, I mean, the Hawks problem is it's almost certainly not going to go to 88. You know, if it goes to 85, they have, that's three, that's, that's, you know, one decent player or two players they can't keep or get if they, uh, if they're at, um, if it goes to 88. So, either either way the hawks were in a difficult situation um you I, know mata and uh and zach smith are, are certainly buyout candidates that'll help but uh the, <laughs> i don't i don't i don't look to next year as being a particularly um uh positive situation right now yeah uh, something big has to happen that's why i thought Sada was gonna get traded uh uh, at the deadline, I thought it was a good way to get rid of the six million dollars for next year. he I think he would have been a valuable piece. Maybe they just couldn't get someone to give them what they wanted, a first round pick or whatever. um maybe it's because they think they need him for next year and they intend to compete. Um, they probably look at those season tickets uh, you know going dwindling, and you know, uh, I know they they don't want to have uh, McDonough have to come downstairs and say, "You know why are we why why is our sell streak over?" which yeah. is you know, on its way to happening at some point, Yeah, yeah, um, yeah those, I mean, are, the, those are real the, issues.
0: Yeah. The, the attendance is already down. It's just the sellout streak still going because, uh, there are many nights where it, it, it was, it's looking a little paltry in the, uh, in the upper decks right. and stuff. And, and they're not in, in the secondary market. Someone, uh, I think it was Ben Hope posted yesterday, uh, that, you know, some of the tickets were going for like under 20 bucks. For the no. game night. yeah.
1: Weekday games you can get in for ten to fifteen dollars now. Yeah, you can. Weekend wow. games are still pretty, you know, pretty decent price. You know, I look into taking my kids. Um, <clears throat> now that I have this time, uh, in weekday games, you know, if they didn't have school. I'd be going more often. Um, yeah. But you know, but it's it's nothing to get in. Yeah. Um, and you know, mm-hmm. we, it's 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 kind of shocking.
0: That's what uh, five or four years without playoffs will do, eventually. Oh, yeah. Uh, it eventually takes its toll. Well, shifting gears just a little bit, um, something I've been I've been seeing little uh, hints of this on and off on the internet. I just kind of want to get some opinions on this because I don't even know what to think about this. Uh, but uh, the, I, I hear these rumors, or at least I see people in, uh, insinuating that uh, Stan Bowman secretly signed a five-year extension with with the organization. I don't know anyone super credible that uh has has kind of said that, but it's just a weird thing that I've seen several times that um doesn't seem to like make a lot of sense based on where this organization is and the you know how the fan base looks at uh Bowman because to some degree they are gonna take that into a you know into account. Um I don't know. What do you, what do you what do you think, John?
2: Uh I have not heard that but uh um you know it doesn't no it doesn't make a lot of sense to me but um i think sometimes uh, if if you, the way i would broadly characterize some of the uh personnel moves of the organization since really since 2015 is that they they're they, they can be called i think they can be called a little arrogant at times in terms of the uh the assurance that all of their guys are the best in the game and by God, they all have to be paid like the best in the game. And Jimmy, you touched on that a little earlier, with regard to comparing, you know, how Tays and Caner paid versus how Malkin and Crosby are paid. Not a huge difference, but enough of a difference that you look at it and you go, that's a that's a a decent depth player that the Hawks can't afford because of that difference in those salaries. And you know, were the Hawks to have extended Bowman for five years, to me it would be like I, I just think that that it. it it smacks of an organization that really doesn't, that, that just is so inwardly focused and, and self-absorbed that they can't see that, you know, Bowman's track record really, since 2015, I mean, you can make the, the argument about three cups till the cows come home, and I'm not going to get it, I'm not going to re, relitigate that now, but um, the, the truth is, is 2015, his track record is not great, so how do you, how would you justify a five-year extension. Yeah, I don't know. I, I but I don't know because the, this is the same organization that's paying Brent Seabrook seven million dollars a year until he's sixty-five years old. So <laughs> yeah. you, you know, I don't. I don't know.
0: Yeah, Jimmy. Now yeah. let me add this in for you, Jimmy, uh, because we don't really know your thoughts on you know Bowman whether he should stay, whether he should go. So you can add that in as well uh, on top of this.
1: Go ahead. Well, uh, I I have heard those things before. I've heard credibly. From credible uh, incredible people that he w- w- was given an extension, nothing that I've confirmed, but um, it, so it doesn't wouldn't surprise me terribly if it's true. Um, I highly doubt it's five years. Uh, that would surprise me greatly. As far as as far as him whether he should be fired or not, I think it goes to what McDonough has said is that people need to be held accountable, and that's what it comes yeah. down to. And you know, I think it's a it's not it, it shouldn't be complicated. When you you go three years without the playoffs in a league where it's very easy to make the playoffs um, uh, over a period of time. I I did the I did the number of teams that have not made the playoffs in the last three years. I think it's not more than six or seven teams, maybe even fewer now. Uh, I don't know where they are at this point, but it's it's not good to go three straight seasons, especially this organization and what they, what they accomplished you know, prior to those three years. Um, and and there doesn't seem to be much of a plan. Uh, the disparity between the young players who are, you know, now 19, but the, the, the expectation that Boakvist and um, Doc are the new leaders and they're going to, you know, get, you know, be strong enough to be part of the, the next core before Kane and Taves and uh, Keith are no longer producing at high, high levels is is very debatable. Um, there need to be players who are producing in the, in the middle, and they don't have that. They don't have the, right, right. the third and fourth line play, uh, players that, that other teams have had, that the Hawks used to have. And the inability to... to you know, it's an inexplicable sort of sticking up, sticking with David camp. This organization loves David Kemp. You know, he's, <laughs> he's not the same kind of player that um, I don't know, even like uh, Marcus Kruger, Marcus Kruger, you know, like the players, when they used to bring in, when they used to be able to bring in players like John Madden and and, and Brad Richards and, and have, um, you know, really nice NHL veterans come in and, you know, you know, you know, be happy to be part of this organization. That that doesn't really exist anymore. Um, you know, Chris Kunitz in the final year is not the same thing as Brad Richards when he was what 31 or 32 or something um, to help them get over the hump. So, uh, yeah, but the, you know, should should Bowman? Go? I'm not I'm not a, I'm not a fire Bowman guy, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if he was, and I wouldn't be um, unhappy if he was to see somebody else get a shot. As long as it's an Al McIsaac, nothing against him personally. (laughs) I agree. If they're going to, if they're going to fire Bowman, then they, they need to bring in, um, you know, somebody with, with new eyes. Yeah, I
0: agree. I agree. Yeah. I know John agrees completely with what you were just saying about that, especially with McIsaac and stuff. Um, my opinion, and this is, I got no inside knowledge on this, but, I've kind of been impressed at least with the body of work that Mark Hunter did in Toronto and stuff and his ability to be able to develop players through a system, which is something the Blackhawks weren't always really good at drafting a guy working him through the, you know, it was like the guys that came straight, you know, the guys who worked out like Brandon sod and Andrew Shaw basically stepped into the lineup almost day one. Maybe they played a half a year in Rockford or something like that, but there wasn't really much in the way of development there. Those guys just kind of were good. And, and as far as, like, developing players, like, they had a really hard time, you know, developing Teravainen. Eventually, he turned into something, but it was taking a long time. They weren't developing him. They were playing him in weird situations, and that's just one story of the many over the years. So I'd kind of like to see a guy that could come in, get some young talent, get the most out of it instead of, you know... And if you want to bring in, a you know, an AGM that, 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 that's a cap guru and can handle that stuff too, then all good and well, but um you know kind of a different clean approach i I agree with you on that some fresh eyes in, in that regard uh that that would be my ask on that for thing so
2: yeah i think you know um there are a lot of really bright minds out there working in hockey um you know many of whom are known to uh you know people in the game uh but uh I, I don't know. I think if you start every day and end every end every night, you know, sort of feeling like you've uh, you've assembled the uh, the uh, the champions of the universe, if you will, or the masters of the universe in your organization, and nobody else comes quite so close. I mean, you're 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 never going to really be able to, you know, just passionately investigate that and and perhaps find somebody who can who can help your team. Um, I'm, I realize I'm being a little sarcastic and harsh, but. Um I I you know I've been fortunate enough to meet and work with some people um recently who are uh involved in uh other NHL organizations and uh you know the bottom line is is some of those teams in particular have had a lot of success the last few years and um you know one of those individuals told me um cuz he knew that I was uh, a, a Hawks fan and he, he told me point blank they they need a change in management um and uh they need to really rebuild um, and you know, it's, so it, it's, I don't know. I, you know, I also feel like sometimes Bowman is unfairly singled out because I feel like it is a corporate and committee driven front office. I don't think there's any secret about that. I think when people start really zeroing in on McDonough as a problem, I think that's when, you know, the, the protestations come out that, um, you know, Stan stand works independently and nobody, nobody's looking over his shoulder. He, he does everything he wants on his own. But, you know, the stories that we've heard over the last several years is that's not the case at all. That one of the reasons the Hawks move so slowly is because they have everything has to be cleared through a committee and McDonough involved in it. And I think those individuals, therefore, should be accountable for the decisions, not just Bowman. Um, but again, that forces Rocky Wirtz to, to ask some hard questions um, about the organization. And, um, you know, I, I just think fans need to need to to realize that uh, it is not Bowman making decisions in a vacuum it, it isn't um and um right. you know they could they could get rid of him and get somebody else in there but it, the results could be very similar <laughs> you know um yeah. and uh it's it's again it's it's um we don't know and you know I, I'm not going to claim to know the whole story I just I followed this team closely I've heard some things over the years and what I see is tends to uh bear out, you know, some of the things that I've heard and, and the that's a, that's what I was just talking about. So I'm gonna stop
0: now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean yeah I guess we'll see. Um I, I'm I'm a fan. You know it things have been like bad for long enough now that I'm kind of rooting for some chaos. Something to shake things <laughs> up. I mean it happened a couple years ago when, you know, they made all those they, those trades on draft day and Jamerson went and like that rush of energy, like, oh, you know, it was, of course, closer to the cup run. But that that rush of like a little bit of chaos to make some, you know, something something could be different tomorrow, you know, kind of thing. And uh, things could be considerably different tomorrow if, if they did, you know, a couple moves like that or or they traded a big name or something like that. I'm kind of in I'm kind of. Looking for that, I'd like to see that that would eject a little bit of excitement, maybe, uh, at least for me, uh, because things are stale the way they are, and I'm tired of stale, and I think the fans are starting to get tired of stale, and uh, so yeah, that's kind of my feelings on it.
1: It's been a while since they've sort of just been lucky with getting a player who, um, you know, maybe to it's an example of somebody who, uh, was somebody who was not supposed to be as good as he was, and is really, really good this year. I think is the aberration. You know, um, I think he's. I think he'll score 30 goals most seasons. This is just a strange season with his shot percentage. But they need to start ha- getting lucky and having some second and third round picks uh, pan out. Um, maybe fourth round picks. You know, they've. The. You know, w- when they were able to have Assad, you know, draft him, it, turn into an immediate producer an almost immediate producer, you know, Shaw into an almost immediate producer. Um, Jalmerson was not supposed to be a top player. He was. They haven't had that happen in, in recent years. Um, they've got a little bit of a um, cushion now with, I think Doc's going be better next year. Boquist's going to be better. If some of these players who have been having good seasons in Rockford but don't look like their core players by any means step up and can be part of the team and be good players, you know, then they, don't, they can have cheap talent for a little while and, and get a, a, a little cap relief. That's been the problem, is that they've had to fix problems by spending money as opposed to just letting the young guys come in. Yeah.
0: yeah. The, 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 the two that they fell ass-backwards into were Panarin and now Kubelik. Like Those were just, you know, that was like sent straight down from the gods uh, that they were handed those two
1: players basically for nothing. Well, true for nothing, but but I don't think it's it was not it was not a fluke though. That was a product of really good European scouting. Like, you know, they saw, yeah. they targeted him. They, yeah. I don't think they knew Panarin was going to be a future MVP and be as great as he was with Kane, but they went and they got Panarin. You know, they that's the product of I think it being a pretty good organization on that at least that part of the team. Um, in uh,
0: Europe, yeah, for sure, they do do they do scout well in Europe. I will agree with that but so all right well i don't want to hang too long on this this whole thing um more kind of recent news is the uh three-game winning streak they actually uh finished up last night by beating anaheim pretty convincingly even though their uh anaheim was out shooting them for a good portion of the game uh but they did beat tampa in tampa which is you know that's commendable and, uh Florida, I mean, you could debate whether that's commendable, but they're they're you know a borderline playoff team, and uh, of course they have a pretty good coach and a good goalie, and and to like you know be pretty talented. So, uh, but they, you know, Blackhawks have, are on a three game win streak. I don't, I, I still, they're not going to make the playoffs. I mean, that's just the bottom line. They could win some games here or there, but they basically have to win out, and while other teams all lose out, not completely, but for the most part if win right. like probably what th- uh, four out of five or something like that and uh you know a lot of teams are going to have to fall they're going to have to lose because the stupid loser point and stuff like that they have to lose in regulation uh for them to really uh, you know climb considerably but uh, there are some positive things uh that have happened so what what, what are your opinions Jimmy on uh, this this, lace- this recent uh play for the team
1: it's just enjoyable to watch Then play uh, effectively, even though the chances of making the playoffs are are pretty much nil. I mean, for them to get in, they would have to win maybe 13 of the last 16 or get whatever, 25, 26 points. There are just too many teams above them for all of them to then play 500. It has has to go perfectly beginning with them playing at a a pace they haven't played the whole season. um, Or in years. Or in, or in or in years yeah so it's it's not likely but it's fun and you get your your they i don't know they, maybe they seem like the pressure's off a little bit you know um typically when they came home from playing uh, a good road stretch like they did at tampa in in uh in florida like they did in january they came home from playing uh uh they what was they beat the leafs and and they beat the Canadians and the Senators, and they came home from that. Whatever. I forget the exact that stretch, but they came home and then got beat by the Panthers, and then they went on this sort of you know crappy uh, post uh, All Star break run. Yeah, they had they had a good game against the Ducks. They came out and just all of a sudden they put four on the on the on the on the board in the second period, and and you know where who is this team? You don't you don't you don't see them erupting like that. Um, you do see Boakvist and and Doc playing at a, at a more, um, comfortable level. And these players are important. You you know, you see, you see more overall contributing to the, to the, uh, to the lineup. And who knows if there's something to just having one starting goalie and not having the team worry about who's playing every game, you know, they've just kind of settled in and, uh, it's you know we get you get to watch fun hockey for a month or so hopefully, um, but you know every time they do this every time they go on a little stretch, it takes once first of all it's been three games I'm not talking about like an eight game winning streak yeah um, if they when they do this then they go and they lose a couple games in a row they should if they you know what if they lose the Red Wings next week then you know everyone's going to be you know killing themselves so um, it could go away as quickly as it as it arrived. And they can't have a stretch where they uh, where they lose two or three games. And they certainly can't lose to the Red Wings or lose to, you know, um, any of these weaker teams. If you look towards the middle of the month, there's a home, and, a home and home against the Wild. And if they can somehow get to that home and home within like two or four points of the second wild card spot and it's the Wild, then those games really, you know, carry some weight um i think it's still a long shot to even be in it at that point but those two games look like they, they could be uh possibly really really fun
0: yeah it i it is nice to see them scoring goals having good you know so and the young players playing like they are that move that doc made yesterday that's spinorama and he's made yeah. a couple of nice other other plays it yeah. shows that he's he's gained some confidence this year and, yeah uh the same with boquist like i i mentioned that on twitter but you know what Adam Boakvist should make everyone forget about Eric Gustafson because Boquist yeah. is doing the thing, the same stuff that Gustafson was doing, uh, but better on the, on his own end and not falling down every time he tries to skate backwards. And, uh, you know, he's still going to have to learn cause he's young, but I don't think it's, it's any step back. Uh, you know, sliding Gustafson out and sliding Boakvist in. And uh, I think he has a, a brighter future than Gustafson. So there are definitely hmm. some things that, that I like uh, that I see. Um, But, you know, there's, there's other things I'm going to kind of bring it up in the questions, um, you know, that, that really concern me as far as like how many people that are, say they've signed for next year and whether they're going to have slots for, you know, Ian Mitchell, uh, you know, if he, if he can even play in the NHL next year, uh, he may be an AHL guy. So, uh, and the goalie situation really uh, irks me because I thought they had a fix. I thought they had an easy fix with getting Leonard signed and then you could, you know, if you want to do Lincoln and you want to do Delia whatever, that's not a bad way to go forward and at least have some kind of consistency for maybe the next three years. Uh, and, you know, until maybe you bring in another guy, you know, uh, or develop a kid through the system. So uh, I don't know. That's, that's kind of my feelings on it. John, you got anything else you want to add on that?
2: No, I think you, you covered it. I think you nailed it.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, let's get into a little bit of questions before we let Jimmy go for the night. Um, I've got a couple of them here. One of them was sent in for the uh, previous to the last episode, but Chuck Bessler is really good about sending in questions. I wanted to make sure that uh, we kind of addressed this, and this is kind of what I was just hinting at. Since the Hawks seem uh, to have given up on this season by trading Leonard for Subban, who sucks? uh, That's his his words, not mine. Uh, Do you think the Hawks split the time between the two goalies or even rest Crawford and play Subban more to help them tank? Uh, clearly, I guess, you know, that it shows that that's not happening. Uh, upcoming draft is deep, especially in the top 10. Hawks are currently in the bottom 10 of the league. Don't you think management wants to win themselves out of it? Uh, I, I Sarcastically, <laughs> yes. I think the, that the management does, you know, want to win and this rah-rah playoff push kind of thing. Uh, but uh, as far as the goalies go, um, and the draft is deep. It would be nice if they could have gotten maybe a, a first for Leonard or Gustafson. And, and uh, like the rumors were, you know, come on to Carolina uh, that they could have gotten one of their firsts and uh, maybe, you know, had two first round picks, which would have been nice. Uh, there is that Askarov. We have talked about him a little bit, the Russian goalie, who's probably going to be the best goalie prospect uh, to have come through the draft in quite a long time and could potentially go in the top 10 ahead of what Spencer Knight went last year. Uh, so, um, you know, he, he's something. And then uh, let me add into this a little bit, uh, when you guys take this from here, the Sorokin, the, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the rumors that we heard on uh, uh, you know draft day, or on, not draft day, deadline day, where it, it looked at, uh, or the day before, where it looked like the Blackhawks had acquired the rights to uh, the best goalie in the KHL, who was a Rangers prospect uh, and the, Islanders prospect. Or or Islanders, yeah, I, I'm not Islanders. Islanders, uh, Yeah. both New York teams, but yeah, uh, <clears throat> who seemed to be the guy that they were going to bring in and they were going to have Varlamov, you know, be his, you know, tutor for a couple of years until he could take over and that whole thing. But the guy is lights out, you know, the best goalie in the world outside of the NHL. Um, which would have been a huge thing for the Blackhawks if they could have pulled it off. Apparently, you know, even uh, some reputable, uh, was it Drager that... uh, that Drager was the guy who went out with it, yeah. Yeah, he went out with it and then he he retracted it. And even the the players in Russia were told, or at least were under the impression that the Blackhawks had had acquired his rights as well. So, I mean, that was another option. Those would have been... Those two options would have been something that would, would have been like, to me, I'd have been like, okay... Leonard would have been a really good option, but these aren't so bad because there's a future, there's a plan, there's some kind of direction in this. So, um, John, I'll let you start and then I'll head over to you. Yeah,
2: it's hard to uh, really, you know, speak emphatically on this because, you know, those are rumors. And um, who knows how much there was to them, Um, you know, the Sorokin deal in particular, um, you know – But, you know, again, I mean, if it is true that they were actually trying to make a a significant move for a guy like Sorokin, um, uh, you know, it's funny. You just hold that up against the fact that ultimately what they got is Malcolm Subban. Um, So if so, there is some evidence that they were trying to acquire a a young goalie. Um, You know, Subban was a first round draft pick. Um, I think a lot of bloom has come off of that rose. Um, over the last couple of years, but
0: uh, that's the you know, stand. I, that's the stand thing, right? Fail, right. Failing first round draft picks from other teams, bring yeah. them in and see if you can get a new thing, something new out of
2: them. Yeah. So, um, you know, it does speak to the fact that the, that the organization is acknowledging um, a, a a a hole or um, a need uh, for a uh, you know sort of a, a better than AHL, uh, but perhaps not uh, quite ready to be an NHL starter type of goalie. Um, and, uh, you know, but then the question becomes, okay, so you did this and you got Subban, um, he's not playing. Um, there's, you know, some talk that he may not have much future with the organization. So again, I don't know. It's all rumor. It's all innuendo. So it's really hard to, to speak, uh, you know, really, uh, 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 emphatically on it, but at the same time, um, I don't know. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, this is a team, in my opinion, because here's the deal: if Adam Boakvist becomes everything we think he can be, and if Kirby Doc becomes everything we think he can be, but they're surrounded by, um, you know, uh, not not very great supporting cast. David, and Kane. no other, and no other players of their caliber. This isn't going; they're not going to lead any resurgence. Um, they need more high draft picks. They need more of those kinds of guys. If you look where. Winnipeg has drafted or, or did draft for several years, um, and they got those guys like Line A and Morrissey and um, Ehlers and and uh, just you know there's there's a long long list of the of the guys that they've gotten. Um, you know that's that's what you that's what the Hawks did from 2003, 2002, 2003, you know all the way really up to 2007. You know when they took Kane. Um, that, that's, that, that's the recipe. That's how you rebuild through the draft. And so all these people, you know, clamoring for a playoff spot because it somehow validates the direction of the team. There's an argument that could be made that all it does is it it just hurts the draft position and it doesn't really speak to an, an improving, uh, organization or franchise as far as the long-term
1: prospects, because they're still locked into the same formula.
0: Yeah. Jimmy, what do you think?
1: Are you, are you saying that because you're a middling team and you're not getting the really high picks, it's ultimately damaging the long-term prospects of the team? If there's really? an argument for that, there's. Yeah. I mean, there's a rationale. I mean, sure. I mean, they're they're in that horrible middle, you know, yep. where you 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 run the risk of not really fixing um, anything short-term and you're not planning for the long-term. They obviously lucked out by getting a, a number three pick in in Doc, and hopefully he becomes. Um, a really really good long term player. You know who, who knows if he's going to end up being any better than the players who were taken you know fourth through you know you know even fifteenth. Who knows? You know, he's a good player, but um, he, he, he's we don't know about him in the way you knew about certain players. He's certainly not a we don't think certainly a Caner or a Taves. Um, I, they have to they have to do great in the draft. You know they're gonna they're gonna pick tenth or uh, or eleventh. At, at, I think at, at the at the lowest. You know if they luck out and get another high pick, then that really helps. But it doesn't really help for next year. You know there's there's three players that, from this year's draft who have even played more than ten games in the entire league. Last year's you know the the Boc-Fist year, very few have even made an impact. You know um, just a, a handful of players. So we're talking about Long, long term, the future of the Hawks is based on um, uh, the short term future of the Hawks is based on who they have now and getting people to fill in. The draft isn't going to impact until t- really 20, you know, 22, 20, you know, two, three years down the road for and even then I was I was going through the drafts the last eight or nine years. They've had nobody besides Shaw and I think Saad really produce in any material way uh since the 2011 draft outside the first round it's extraordinarily right. hard um certainly for the hawks it's been extraordinarily hard to to get players who can produce so um you know i, I really don't care where they draft because uh because of that because it's it, you, you just don't know it's such a crapshoot uh beyond the top three players in, in the in each draft and sometime the top two
0: Yeah. Uh, I actually went through last year and kind of compared, you know, the draft picks the Blackhawks have had. And I just basically used NHL games played because there was really no metric to use um, uh, based on. uh, And I compared Stan Bowman with pretty much uh, the GMs in his, you know, in his uh, division, his cohorts in his division. And, uh, you know, the there's this misconception out there that Stan Bowman drafts great. He's a really good drafter. And I never agreed with that. And I kind of proved that in my little thing that I put together that, you know, he was about average, nothing great, uh, not horrible. But um, again, you brought it up, you know, it's, there's not a whole lot of guys who have come through that system or been drafted that, uh, you know, since 2011 or uh, you could even say 2010, 2009 that actually worked their way up through the system and became significant players in the organization. Uh, some yeah. of them, you know, played third line, fourth line kind of guys, uh, T- Tara Vinen, of course, you know, we mentioned him earlier, but you know, you got like your Ryan Hartman and, but then you get strikeouts like Graham, not, and, uh, you know, several, several like that as well. So, yeah. Uh I'm, I'm going to give you like one or two more questions, then we'll let you go. Um, Let's see. Uh, this is a good one. It's kind of off, uh, hot of the Hawks topic, but it's you know something we could talk about. Um, not Hawk specific, but the thoughts on the Cashian suspension. Zach Cashian. Uh, I mean, last time I kicked a coworker with a, with knife shoes, I got more <laughs> than three weeks off without pay. So I'm wondering if I should file a grievance with HR for wrongful termination. That was from Boomer GWC on uh, Twitter. Um, I think based on the way the the department of player safety works, I think we got 7 games. Um I I'm not uh, hating on that. I mean, it was a dangerous play for sure. Uh you can't be, you know, launching your foot at someone uh anywhere towards where, you know, chest, neck, face, anything like that. But we've seen that happen, you know, accidentally. It happened last night to Johnny Boychuk. Um right. it it should it should be Suspendable. It should be, you know, it's not a play that should be accepted. And, uh, but I don't know that, uh, you know, more than seven games based on anyone that's gotten uh, suspensions in, in in the last, you know, recent future, recent past. Uh, I don't think seven games is uh, too little. Uh, I think it's probably right around the right, the right area. What do you think, Jimmy?
1: Yeah, yeah. You kind of look for consistency is what you're looking for and and that seemed like like it was kind of on target i don't i don't it wasn't a it wasn't like he took his uh skate and tried to slice off somebody's uh you know it, it wasn't you know it wasn't like a you know stick to the head it was it was dangerous um but um uh it it, it seemed commensurate with what what you know first of all cassian's no angel he's he's been through some of these before Um, so seven games is probably more than, you know, somebody else would get if they'd done it. And I I thought it kind of fit. I had no problem with it.
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, it's roughly like just less than 10% of a season, right? Yeah. If you work the numbers. So yeah, seven games is a considerable amount, I think. Uh, John, you got anything you want to add to that?
2: No, I, I kind of agree. I think, and I think the, the really telling comment was, uh, around consistency because I, I think that uh NH- nhl player safety and and league discipline have and frankly sometimes the the on-ice officials uh they they struggle um to uh to you know be con- to be unerringly consistent in how they call games i think they they tend to one-off things um they tend to do make goods and that always that just leads to more more one-offs and more more make goods and and uh you know this league um you know people can criticize Officiating in the in the NFL, for example, but by comparison, um, officiating in the NFL has been dramatically better and more consistent than it has been in, in the NHL. And um, I think uh, so. I think that seven games is probably fine because it is consistent and it's it's setting a precedent and an expectation that everybody can abide by. And ultimately, you're going to get better behavior from players when you do that.
1: Well said.
0: Cool. Awesome. Well, I think Jimmy. I think we're going to let you go for the night. Uh, you've been very uh, patient with us, and you've been uh, very giving of your time. So we really appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, Jimmy. This, is, this has been a no, long time, coming. So I, really I don't like... get
1: to talk about hockey as much as I as I used to. So it's it's been great to sit with you guys and and talk for the last forty five well, minutes or so. So well, I I'm going it. to put you on the sure, re- we'll have you
0: back. Yeah, we're going to put you on the reoccurring list. So we'll be we'll be asking right. you to come on again. Um, be careful just, what you wish for. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, <laughs> now we're never going to leave you alone. <laughs>
1: Well, I appreciate it. Thanks guys. Yeah. Um,
0: just so everyone knows on Twitter, you're JC green X, right? That's me. Yep. And, uh, follow him. He's a good follow. Uh, always been really nice to me. So I really appreciate that and, um, have a great night, Jimmy. You too.
1: Right. To you guys.
0: All right. Thanks, Jimmy. Uh, that was great. Uh, we had a, it was, I, I like it when, when, when there's a little bit of back and forth, people don't always agree on things, but, uh, we can have a nice debate on it. So that was fun. Yeah. So, uh, let's uh we had a couple extra questions i didn't want to i didn't want to flood jimmy with all the questions so we had a couple other questions that kind of came up uh that you know you and i can uh talk about for a couple minutes and then we'll get out of here for the night so uh our boys talking hawks uh, john and jacob uh john and jacob i think it's jacob out in uh denver they actually added a question about the leonard debacle subsequent return with suban uh what the Hawks should do uh, or will do next year. Uh, we kind of talked about all that kind of with Chuck's question. It was kind of all put in and it was kind of with Jimmy mm-hmm. too. So uh, I just want to mm-hmm. acknowledge our, the boys out in Denver uh, that we, we got your question we hope that we answered your question. You got anything mm. we can add to that?
2: No, no, that's it.
0: I think we answered it. Okay, cool. Um, Shawnee cash uh, H uh, said, what would be, your top free agent signing this summer outside of Crawford, not saying he would come, but Tory Krug would be on his, on his list. Uh, I put together a quick list uh, on puckpedia.com. <laughs> and uh, we talked about that earlier. Uh, some of the uh, free agents this summer. Um, and, you know, I don't know that the Blackhawks are going to be able to, you know, it could be like last year. They may get a trade. They may be able to trade or swap someone, but I don't see any big name. And contrary to what uh, a certain uh, blogger says, the goalie market is not deep this summer. So I'm tired of hearing that horse shit. Uh, That's just a flat out lie. The goalie market is not good this summer. Uh, You have Braden Holtby, and that's about it. Other than Leonard and Crawford. So I guess if you call that a strong market, but it's the two guys you already had. That I, I don't, I, I don't really consider that a market.
2: Well, and the other thing is, is that the teams that those those two last two players are with are most likely to re-sign them. So really, the only guy who's potentially going to hit UFA who you'd call a top shelf goal, it would be Holtby. That's not a deep market, um, you know. But speaking of you know the Hawks and any activity they would have in free agency, um, you know, I, I go back to you know, well, gosh, it was a long time ago. Now it was about twelve years ago when the Hawks were going out and making big moves in the summer and free agency to get, you know, meaningful players who really, who really made them better. Um, but the Hawks were a team on the rise then, and they had cap room. Um, the Hawks are not really what you would call a team on the rise at this point, as much as some people want to believe that. <laughs> um, and they, they could be a uh, 12 months from now, they could be, a, you know, a team that really is looking to, you know, uh, uh, ascend, um, and become much better. Um, but, uh, the either they're not that B they don't have a lot of cap room. I mean, you know, the, the free agents want to go where they can get money and where they can win, um, and have a chance of winning a cup. So, um, and the other thing is, is with, you know, if the, if the Hawks can't extend Robin Leonard, um, who makes a lot of sense for them as a, as a piece going forward. How can they then turn around and afford to sign, you know, sign guys in, in unrestricted free agency, you know, at premium prices? It's let's get real folks. Um, yeah, I mean I, I just don't think the Hawks are gonna be players in unrestricted free agency this year and maybe next summer as well. I it, mean, I think it's it's the draft you gotta look at.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean to yeah. For them to cry poor this year and say they can't sign Leonard for whatever he was asking. And then uh, thinking that this deep goalie market, they're gonna who bring in uh, Markstrom? No, he's gonna sign in in mm-hmm. Vancouver. Um, so that you know he's not even gonna make it. I guarantee he doesn't make it to free agency. Right. And right. you have you have what Holpe, Craig Anderson, Jimmy Howard. Like I'm not signing any of those guys. None of them. Uh, Holpe's thirty years old. Uh, you you would you didn't you had problems signing a twenty eight year old goalie? Uh, do you think Hol gonna want more?
2: Right. I yeah. mean, Hopi's going to get it. And he's got, somebody's got a Somebody's going to pay Hopi a lot of money. Yeah. And he's got I, a cup. I predict.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, know. Halak, Hudobin, like Brian Elliott, Mike Condon. Uh, I mean, come on. That's not a deep market. That's just plain shit. It's uh, odds and ends. It is. It's bits and pieces. It's Cam Wards. It's a bunch of Cam Wards. Uh, yeah. Do you really want to go down that road again with the deep market? Shut up. I mean,. Uh, uh, unbelievable i mean i i have i have a clip for that i gotta find it but uh yeah i do have i i definitely have a clip for that
2: that guy wrote it oh fuck him You <laughs> fuck everyone else who ever writes anything again i don't give a shit
0: <laughs> that's how i feel about that thank you rob zombie uh so uh back to questions <laughs> thought we'd make it a little interesting at the end Beautiful color, colorize it a little bit or co- make it a little more colorful. Uh, with so many DMN prospects, this is from Gravity Storm Colin Bell or the Gravity Storm on Twitter. With so many D prospects of caliber in the system, who are the next guys up, not named Ian Mitchell? Which current players uh, could be casualties from the current pool as part of their advancement? How do we restock our forward and center prospect pool? Well, the last one I'll tell you right now is get high draft picks, which is exactly why I didn't want them to pick uh uh the defenseman in the draft last year i wanted them to pick a forward whether it be you know i i would prefer a center because centers are a little more valuable and um you know at the worst you pick a center he turns into a wing uh at the worst you pick a wing and he can't play, play that uh that's kind of the way yeah. i look at that at least you know bluntly yeah but um yeah. i wanted them to pick a forward they need high-end forwards dales brinkett is is you know, a very good forward, but not a high-end forward. And the same with Dylan Strome. They're not high, you know, Dylan Strome is what Dylan Strom is. He's a slow, maybe second, third-line center. Probably third-line center on a good team, second-line center on a on a Blackhawks team. Uh, maybe not even that. So, uh, uh, but that's what they have to do. They have to get it through the draft. Uh, and, and then, of course, they go out and, uh, you know, they go out and they pick up another defensive prospect. After they pick up a defensive prospect earlier this year in Regula, uh I, I I don't understand this fascination with just grabbing defensemen. I don't know where they think they're going to be scoring goals from come 3 years when Taze and Kane are up. Uh do they think that do they really honestly think that Alex DeBrinkett is that next elite goal scoring uh you know Patrick Kane? Uh if they do they're going to be very disappointed for one. No, he's
2: not going to be Patrick
0: Kane. And Kirby Doc is okay is, you know, luckily they brought, brought Kirby Doc in, but they fell ass backwards into that, getting that draft pick. Otherwise, they were going to be picking in the, you know, the the what 12 range? And none of those players, I've listed those off before. None of those players were going to make an impact with this team. Uh, you know, as far as like an elite level forward. Uh, and then they go yeah. on. Like you said, Ragul is a good, a good prospect, but he's a defenseman, another defenseman, kind of in that same mold. This guy they picked up from uh from uh, Vegas uh, not as much of a uh, scoring forward or a defenseman kind of more of a, I guess, responsible uh, defensive type uh, defenseman, but he's not going to be, you know, that next difference maker. So why are you, why are they getting all these defensemen? It's I think, I think
2: Bowman's Bowman's trying to, buy some lottery tickets to to find uh, the next Nicholas Jalmerson. Um, I, I think they need that player. I think they need a guy who can come in and be, you know, in that, that you know, number three defenseman range, um, you know, who's just rock solid defensively, super physical, you know, a guy that makes other teams think twice coming across the blue line. Um, I, I don't think he's gotten that with either of those guys. Um, and I don't, you know, maybe Vlasic ends up being that kind of player. Um, but I, you know, the, the truth is, is, um, I, I think they do need a defenseman of that ilk, um, in, the, in the pipeline, uh, maybe a couple of them. Um, I think they, you know, I, th- I think that he still needs some depth at center. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's a lot in the organization after Taves in terms of a true center. Now they're hoping that doc is going to be, you know, a, a full-time center in the NHL, a sort of a. You know, the latter-day Ryan gets laugh, and it, it possibly he could be. Um, but you I don't think does, right now yeah. his, he's like 38% in the faceoff dot. Young kid, though, so hard to say. But, I mean, the truth, and they need a goalie. The Hawks need a young, developable, go, developable goalie. Um, not to, to knock any of the kids in Rockford or in the system, but there's nobody there that you can look at and go, yes, that guy's a surefire blue chip future NHL starter.
0: Yeah. Right. Not, not now. Alexis you know, Gravel we'll is potentially, you know, yeah. got some potential, but, um, he was picked, yeah. you know, he was picked higher in the draft. He wasn't like a sixth round pick. I think he was in like the third round or something, but yeah. still, I mean, uh, so they
2: need, they need help all over. Yeah. They need elite players all over the ice. And and
0: of course they're full of a bunch of puck moving defensemen that are under six, one.
2: one, Yeah. That's the one area where they're strong. They've got, they've got good, you know, puck, puck moving, uh, you know, passing, shooting defensemen. Um, They've got maybe two, three, four of those guys, which is great, but you're not going to win it. You're not going to win a Stanley cup. If that's the sum total of your defense.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Jackie Davis. Who do you think they re-sign at the end of the season? Kubalik, uh, Kajula, Strom. Uh, and uh, not that I think Rocky will do the right thing. I'm trying to paraphrase her. she I think she left a word out. And fire the front office and coach. But if he did, who would you like to see in his place? Well, I already said uh, who I'd like to see as a GM. I've said it several times. Uh, I, I, I'd like to see Mark Hunter come in. And uh, we, he's kind of a different style GM. It would be fresh and new and different, and he could develop some young players. And that's what they kind of need to, to be able to do at this point in time. And uh, as far as coach, I don't know. I mean, I like Gerard Gallant. He's more in the, more in the you know, Quenville mold. So I don't know if uh, the Blackhawks want to deal with, a, a, you know, an outspoken coach like that. So I don't know. I don't know. <clears throat> Just someone different. This one's not working. Uh, do some research and, and find one.
2: You know, yeah, I see. So to me, I I think that uh, I think the the entire front office needs needs to be reengineered. We may have talked about it in the last show or um, I I know I talked about it in a blog I wrote recently. You know, one thing that they could do is it's formally and concretely separate the hockey and business functions like other pro sports organizations do. Um, If they're not going to, you know, uh, you know, let some people go and hire some new people. That's something they could do with their existing staff that might help uh, solve some of these problems. Cause I just, I think the committee is, is failing um, and the evidence is ample. And uh, you know, and then, then when you get that done, then, then you let the hockey people um, do their jobs. And, and if, if part of that job is finding a, the right head coach to lead this, this team back to glory, then do it. And, uh, I don't, you know, there's a lot of guys that could, that it could be, you know, it's hard to argue though with the guy you're right about Gallant. Um, and it's hard to argue with those guys who have relative success, wherever they go, like John Tortorella, he's not available, but it's, it's kind of, uh, I'd pass on him. I would pass on him. I just remember how badly Q out coached him, um, in the playoffs, uh, back in 2015. And, uh, I, I you know, I I just think that there's a few guys out there that, uh, you know, have that kind of, and they got to find that guy. And maybe it's somebody who's under the radar right now. I mean, you know, a guy I've, I've, I've been intrigued by is Peter DeBoer. He's not available either. Somebody else snatched, snatched him up, but uh, you know, I don't know. I think the the guys who've been around a while and haven't, you know, really done much with the talent they've had, it, I, I would put Boudreaux in that category actually.
0: He seems to do really good in the, in the regular season but yeah. uh, when the playoffs come around, yeah. this just another thing. Yeah. I don't, know. Yeah. I, honestly, Boudreaux to me is, a, is an upgrade over what Jeremy Carlton's done. So, um, unfortunately, that's not necessarily, you know, a good thing for, yeah. uh, for Jeremy Calton's sake. That is, um, I think that's it. I think we're done. So, uh, I don't have any really uh, good last plugs. I just want to remind everybody, you know, make sure you're listening uh, a couple of weeks. We have, an old friend coming on uh forklift from hockey night uh he's been on a couple times we had a good old time it was a hoot very entertaining um he he left us with uh some uh, classic sound clips like
2: man can grow balls and become my uncle too
0: <laughs> so uh, that's a little preview of what you can expect in a couple of weeks when uh, uncle fork comes on and uh has some has some tales to tell uh so that will be cool um we got some other cool stuff going on, maybe possibly uh even you know we, we've opened up all these new divisions and maybe we might be even having some uh additional podcasts for those divisions so i'm I'm really excited uh about what we have going on our Toronto division uh Christina's written, uh, nailing it you know she's doing it all by yeah. herself right now, but she's doing a great job <clears throat> I been reading her pieces and you know doing some editing on some of her pieces and She's doing a great job up there, so uh, I, I can't say enough great things about uh, Christina Caruso and uh, all the people in the in the, uh, the Colorado division, uh, Lucas, JJ, uh, Aaron, and uh, Marie, Mary or Mary, or Marie, uh, who's been covering the AHL Colorado Eagles, and she's doing an excellent job uh, of covering that. So uh, go check them out if you guys are interested in the Avalanche, and this is a perfect time for us to get in on the Avalanche because they're, they're a good team and exciting team, so yeah good things coming ahead for uh, for the rink, so we're re- really proud of what's what, what's happening out there. keep uh, keep looking for new developments. Uh, you can find all of our comprehensive content of course at the website Uh, uh There's all the different uh, divisions on there you can go on and uh, check out everything but it's all on the front page so uh, you can go through there and all of our different writers and uh, yeah uh, you can find us on all the popular social media at the Rink official. Uh, We have all of our different divisions on Twitter Uh, at the rink. Shy is the uh, Chicago division Uh, at the rink. Colorado is the Avs and uh, and their minor league affiliates Uh, at the rink. Columbus is We have it. Uh, We're just not writing about Columbus just yet, but uh, that will probably be the next division we do. Uh, And at the rink, Toronto, uh, that's Christina's uh, stuff that she's putting out. Again, she's doing a great job. Uh, at the Rinkcast, I'm at Pocket Hostel. You're at Jakel. Uh, don't forget Jimmy Greenfield. I think it was JC Green X. I believe it was. Yes, um, JC Green X. Yep, I was going at the top of off the top of my head. So, um, <clears throat> so yeah, thanks, Jimmy, for coming on. We're gonna have him on again. Uh, I, I I'm just gonna tease this a little bit. I may have a little surprise for you that you don't, you Mr. Jakel, don't even know about. But it's all Uh-oh. in good fun. It's good times. Uh, keep your eyes peeled watch my twitter account and uh you may be surprised so uh <clears throat> all good stuff though nothing 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 to worry about for anybody um if you get the chance please head over to itunes rate, review us um we appreciate that there weren't any new ones but you know, just find out the charts and any, any little bit you guys can help out is great john you got anything else you want to? i got nothing that was beautiful You summarized everything Awesome. Yeah, me talking my ass off alright well thanks for taking time out of your busy schedules to download this and support us until next episode see you on the range.